The Boundless Pursuit Podcast is proudly sponsored by Built Wild DNA. Fuel your day on the water in a constructive and healthy way. Energy and fitness supplements designed with the outdoorsman in mind. Get your physicality in line with your mentality and maximize your time on the water. Use promo code BOUNDLESSPURSUIT for 10% off of your next order at BuiltWildDNA.com. Welcome to Boundless Pursuit, a weekly podcast providing motivation, entertainment, and education to anglers and outdoorsmen. I hope that the stories you'll find here will encourage you to chase your passion more fervently, to open your mind to new opportunities and perspectives. Your engagement and feedback is critical to the growth of this show, and I would love to hear your suggestions on topics or potential guests. You can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com or at my website, www.boundless-pursuit.com. That's where you'll find all related articles, media, and merchandise. Please remember, the show will gain traction from your support. Be sure to like, comment, and share this podcast to your friends and connections. I'm your host, David Graham. Now let's get on to today's episode. You know, I think the real measure of an angler is how he or she adapts to change. Changing conditions, unplanned events, the challenges, the roadblocks. Adaptability and changing conditions is critical because nature doesn't play by the rules and doesn't care about your game plan. Now, I'm talking grit, that intangible characteristic that separates the casuals from the diehards. And a lot of people say they have it. Our pride dictates that we say it. But man, I have watched a lot of self-proclaimed gritty fishermen break. When the sun gets too hot, there's too much rain, it's too windy, my rod broke, I forgot this piece of gear, or the fish just aren't biting. People's spirits and mentality just break. Today, though, my guest is a real one. Josh Dolan lives by the have rods, will travel creed, and this guy means it by any means under any circumstances. And he drops himself into any conditions and wills himself to the fish. Dolan of Virginia plotted his course as an angler in the great state of Virginia, using the Virginia Master Angler Program as his roadmap to success and versatility as an angler. But still, Josh is just one of those guys that has the travel bug, that voice on his other shoulder that calls him to waters unknown. This is a dude that will pack his vehicle full of rods, a pillow, and a game plan, and that's about it. Traveling thousands of miles across the country, chasing unique fish. And I first saw Josh years ago when a grainy video of him doing battle with an alligator gar out of his kayak went viral. And since then, we've connected and fished together for alligator gar, sturgeon, goliath groupers, tarpon, sharks, and more. He's one of those people that lives and fishes harder than his social media. And today, that's rare. And it's hard to know what to believe. So Josh and I catch up during this conversation to talk fishing history, endeavors, and the value of the grind. This is Josh Dolan of Haverod's Will Travel. All right, dude. Well, we're going to ease into it. So we're going to try my best to avoid the, like rambling that just naturally comes along with familiarity yeah <laughs> of all yeah. the people i've had on so far you're the only one that i've like 
consistently fished with a few times. So yeah, uh, we'll try to we'll we'll try to keep the bullshit to a minimum. But you know, a little bit of that is uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, that's like I mean, that's just the way it's gonna be. But um, but anyway, we'll try dude, to I keep guess, it on task. But to that point, as familiar as we are, we actually haven't. This is the first time we've actually spoken in a while. We've been like kind of off the grid. So yeah talking to grant who just recently had on and i was sort of talking to him i'm like man what's josh got going on he's been sort of under the radar like like hopefully everything's good you know what i mean but i know you're busy yeah. i know it's, i know it's the busy busy months but uh what's what's going on in in the dolan world fishing and and work-wise life yeah it uh i mean virginia's being a mid-atlantic state when the good weather gets here. You got to use it as much as you can, whether it be work or fishing or whatever. So works absolutely slammed. Um, I'm a couple weeks out on pretty much everything right now. So that's been keeping me really busy, but then the double-edged sword, the fishing's good. So I've been trying to, uh, keep up with that and, and been doing a lot of that. And then I picked up this third kind of hobby thing this year. Um, I've always like grown flowers, I don't know. I like kind of how you are with bugs and stuff. Like I like the natural world. So I've picked up flowers and, and growing flowers and vegetables. And like, I literally have a garden in my house now and it's this, it's been this good outlet for me to like be able to occupy my mind after work and it doesn't have to do with fishing. So, you know, I've, I've done so much, fishing wise over the last couple of years, there's not a whole lot left that like gets me excited to like get off work and go do something. So I don't know the, the plants and crap have kind of filled that void. So it's taking a very interesting turn that if this were 25 years ago, my mom probably would have never seen coming, but now I'm like going over oh, yeah. and talking to her about like how to grow better tomatoes. And like, I don't know, just randomly. So. I, I can actually relate uh, people will like give yeah. you a little bit of stuff and actually i'd seen the plants on your back porch and i've been there but i think you sort of like yeah. pawned it off on it was harley stuff yeah maybe you thought you were going to be judged but uh <laughs> i've gone through periods yeah. of, of having a little bit of a green thumb myself um i've never done well with flowers but it's like different tropical plants just i mean it's mm -hmm. florida so it's very yeah. easy to pull it off but i don't know i don't think a lot of guys are, are like scared to admit that well, uh, farming is one thing, you know, you can yeah, kind of, yeah. I'm a farmer. I got my farm yeah. in the backyard. But when you start getting into the floral stuff, you're kind of scared to talk about it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> well, I've learned this year, I've actually started like a food garden, but I have like, I don't know, half a dozen tomato plant. Like, you know, I don't have a lot of anything. I have like a couple of these, a couple of that come to realize like next year when I do this, I'm having like 30 tomato, like you you go and you do all this and you spend all this money and then you wait for months for one tomato to be ready to eat and it's like ah oh, cool and then yeah. you have to wait another <laughs> couple of weeks for another one it's like this is not it you gotta I gotta scale this up a little bit if I'm actually gonna do this so yeah well I think I don't know man I think anything that you put like a long term investment into where like the fruits mm -hmm. of your labor yeah uh, no yeah. pun intended fruits yeah but the fruits right. of your labor are kind of like a long progression that you got to work towards. That's rewarding, whether it's a plant, whether it's a book that you finish, whether it's an, a, yeah. a big puzzle. Some people do puzzles. Yeah. Some people do puzzles. Now, you know, the one that gets me is the puzzles that don't even have a picture. They're all yeah. black. I Believe it or not, I did a puzzle with Harley and like my <laughs> sister and my mom like 
a week ago and it was the most fr- it, I, <laughs> I, it, it made me realize that i genuinely have a hardwiring problem in my like how i am has probably led to like some of the successes i've had in different avenues but it's literally like a star of this puzzle like haha let's do a puzzle and then like it's 12 30 at night i'm like we got to finish this freaking puzzle tonight like we have yeah. to finish it you know so it's i don't know it's this like competitive thing that like lives inside me where i can't just do do anything for fun same with like the plants it's like oh cool I'm like growing some plants no it's like i gotta get the fertilizer right i gotta get the drip like everything's gotta be right so this stuff works right i can't just like casually do anything so yeah well and no matter what your outlet is you probably need some kind of natural stimulation of the mind after a long day of work and i know you do painting Matter of fact, yeah. the last guy I had on here, or one of my most recent guys that I had on here, does the same line of work that you do. Had paint yeah. all in his fingernails and everything. Yeah, because I was, yeah, I was like, "What do you do for work?" He's like, "Oh, I'm a painter." I like, okay, naturally. So now I yeah. see where the drive comes from. Yeah, uh, it's a very, anyway. it's a difficult profession to to. It's very boring. So you have all day to think about all the other stuff you could be doing. So it's very Up much in- like. Huffing you... paint fumes all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's all latex nowadays. That so doesn't even That's work right. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you can't no, go on a bender that takes no, you off no. on a faraway trip. Yeah, but <laughs> no, it's just you're you're do you know you're improving someone else's life slash living conditions all day. So when you finally get cut loose from that, like you want to just run as fast as you can, as far as you can with whatever your thing is. So like fishing has been my thing for years and now, now it's some of the gardening stuff, but it's like, I get home and like, I have three hours until it gets dark. So I'm like not talking to anybody. I'm doing all this stuff. You know, it's been like yeah. that for everything. So it's painting's definitely a, a weird thing because you, you sit there and you think about all the shit you want to be doing the whole yeah. time you're doing something for someone else. Well, it's good to at least get into the mind of a madman a little bit to know yeah. what drives them. Because I don't know, dude, I think you're kind of like the consummate, madman of a lot of and i've met a lot of fishermen in my days and I, i've let, right. met a lot of people that are self-proclaimed madmen you might not be self-proclaimed but it's like i i've always i've kind of considered you like the consummate grinder like workhorse yeah. angler that's that more so than probably anyone else i've ever met is willing to go mm-hmm. through the ringer to to get to your goals um, yeah so i want to kind of segue into the actual fishing and now, okay. like Grant, who we recently had on, uh, you're from Virginia, which is a phenomenal mm-hmm. fishery. So help me avoid getting stuck on Virginia for too long because y'all's fishery sure. is fantastic. But nevertheless, we can't we can't gloss over it because right. you are in that world and you're very accomplished in that world. But one element of the Virginia fishery that you've taken advantage of and kind of used as your roadmap to sort of, I don't know, guide your fishing or gauge mm-hmm. your skill set that I find deeply fascinating is y'all's Virginia Master Angler program. I think mm-hmm. it's a really awesome, I don't know, outlet or avenue for somebody that I think like you, if I'm if I'm gauging you correctly, you're a little bit more the competitive type of guy. It seems yeah. like the perfect way to channel a competitive energy in fishing. Yeah. To like blend, a, I don't know, a natural competitive edge with fishing, which can be leisurely but tell me a little bit about the virginia master angler program when you got involved in it how far you've made it in sure. that program so uh 
the it's the Virginia Angler Recognition Program, which a lot of other states have them, and then the Master Angler Program is kind of within that. So essentially, okay. it's um it used to be twenty five species. They've upped it to thirty now since uh, twenty twenty. But essentially, you have thirty different species in which there are trophy requirements uh, within that species, both length and or width. I mean, length and or weight requirements. So, for instance, um, largemouth bass is 22 inches or 8 pounds. Uh, flathead catfish is 40 inches or 25 pounds. You know, um, but uh, rainbow trout, I think, is 22 inches, 4 pounds. So, you, you kind of get the gist. Like, each different species has its um, sort of benchmark that you can try to, um, you know, work towards as far as what is actually a trophy fish. You know, you got fly guys will catch a 20 inch Brown. They go, Oh, it's a trophy fish. That's great. But it's a true, you know, a trophy can be whatever you want it to be for whoever yeah. you are. You know, it can be a, a five inch bluegill. It really doesn't matter. But as far as the state is concerned, as far as the angler recognition program is concerned, there are these benchmarks that you try to, um, you know, work towards. And that's kind of where, um, where my, uh, path kind of came into all this. Um, I was in high school, played high school sports. Um, I was average or, or decent at, at baseball and football, but, um, not like college talent level. I didn't have the size. I was actually a lot smaller back then. So I wasn't going to play like <laughs> offensive center for Notre Dame or anything. I, I was yeah. not that big of a dude, but, uh, so essentially like fishing always took a backseat for me. Um, when it came to sports growing up, like my dad and my grandparents got me into fishing and it was always just kind of something I did for fun or, you know, just something to do. But once my path of like being an athlete kind of diverged and I realized that wasn't going to be in my future anymore, fishing can just kind of fell into that spot it's like okay well i've grown up with this um competitive nature my whole life my my dad kind of instilled that in me to be a competitor and to to be a winner and and chase uh you know chase that top spot any chance you get it's like okay well it's kind of hard to do that leisurely fishing so unless you know unless you're going to be a tournament bass angler or something like that there's really not any other outlets um but luckily, Virginia has this master angler program, and um, it just kind of allowed me to channel that competitive nature. And, you know, you're challenging yourself more so than you're getting challenged by the fish. You know, you're, you're competing against yourself and your abilities to in, in your drive to get better versus this fish that has no idea that you're trying to catch it. It's It's just. You know, it's more of a mental game than anything. But um, as far as the angler uh, recognition program is concerned, uh, every five new species you get, you level up. So there's like level one master angler through level six. Um, as it stands right now, nobody's ever gotten to level six. Um, I'm sitting at level four with 24 species. So one more species, I'll be at level five and I'll be one of two. And then hopefully eventually I'll get to level six and complete the program. And, you know, who knows when that'll happen or whatever, but that's kind of the gist of like how all this stuff works. So, okay. 
But, yeah, because um, you, you mentioned a couple of things that like provoked a question out of me because mm-hmm. I know you and I approach fishing similar in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and different in a few ways, but it's like a healthy difference. It's like, yeah, I don't know, yin and yang. Yeah. But I know that you kind of spoke to the fact that you needed like a competitive outlet. So then my first question becomes, you know, what you're doing is very much variety based, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking, okay, but like if I'm a guy that like, wants a definitive score and like wants a definitive like measuring point like Mm -hmm. i want to be able to know that i'm better than the next guy or know that like like i did my research and my research did well because i won like i was victorious you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like you know you think in like football everything's pretty matter of fact there's a scoreboard people time your 40 you max out on your bench press like there's there's like benchmarks and there's definitive like affirmation that your hard work paid off and you you win or lose in a very black and white manner yeah to a degree and maybe i'm thinking okay well this that's like josh is one of those guys he he needs that mm-hmm. so then i'm thinking well why not like just become the best at one fish like you could very i'm thinking like okay what i'm listening to i'm listening to a guy who seems tailor-made for like tournament bass fishing like what right. did you d- did you immediately set your eyes on the master angle program or did you like try other avenues did you ever toe like dip the toe in like the in the tournament world no luckily like i say luckily who knows where i would be if anything were different but luckily for my current situation is i i came across the master English stuff while i was still in high school i didn't have a license didn't have any choices on like where i was going what i was going to do as far as like that sort of thing it didn't have any money so i couldn't afford a bass boat it's it just yeah it, i have like this inherent like creativity in me as well it's why i'm gardening and doing all this random stuff and, and i'm a painter and you know so i think i've always kind of had that level of creativity so something about like chasing a bunch of different species and, and like just, you know, yellow perch, flathead catfish, brown trout, musky, bat, you know, there's, there's just something inherently like exciting or, or it just sparked interest to me to, to go and chase a bunch of different stuff like that. And like I said, I was still in high school. I, I, I stumbled upon the master angler program on my school laptop while I should have been trying to like do schoolwork so I could actually get yeah. into college. Right. <laughs> like I'm on, I I've always been like this. Like I, I didn't really give two shits about school. So it's not like I was going to go to college anyway. So I was in there, you know, researching where to catch yellow per, I mean, even before I could drive and like, were was able to go to any of these places that had these fish, I was like researching and, and doing all this stuff on my school laptop. So like, once I finally graduated and got my license and, and got a kayak, it's like, okay, I've been building up, like wanting to do this for so long. And it's just like, it's like turning uh, a horse out to pasture. Like I can go wherever I want, I'm, you know? So that was kind of, that nucleus to, to start all of this. It was, um, kind of needing to sow some wild oats and, and get out of my hometown and go see sort of the world or, you know, as world as, as big as my world was going to be with no gas money and a Ford Ranger that barely ran. But yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it was just needing to get out of town and go fish for something that wasn't farm pond bass or wasn't, you know, the, the pond down the street, 
and, and go kind of see the state and, and catch, try to catch these different fish. And that, that's just, I don't know. It's, it's always been from square one. Like I wanted to chase a bunch of different stuff. Like I've, I've dipped my toe into, to competitive bass fishing here and there with like, you know, kayak bass fishing tournaments and like local tournaments and stuff, but it's just never, it's never spoken to me like Mm -hmm. the same way the other stuff have has, but like, I know what I have in me. And like, if I never had went down that route, I would probably be doing the competitive bass thing and finding the same amount of enjoyment doing that. But it's kind of hard to do one or the other. You can't do both. You have to kind of, you know, being a really good bass fisherman requires pretty much all of your time fishing wise. So just never really got into it. Yeah. And you said you have how many species before you move up to the next level like or or complete the thing? Four, so five? I have 24 total. So I have six left. Like, And what are com- those six? Just um, out of curiosity, I just I can't let you get by that because I'm like, well, oh, man, I wonder what he has to chase. <laughs> sure. So I have um, a brown trout, which has kind of plagued me forever. Um, I've been that's the one I've been grinding the most for with like just no hope. Um, hybrid striper, uh, white crappy, which is a new one that they added in, in 2020. Um, they split the crappy species between black and white. So white crappy, bluegill. Saw guy, uh, saw guy and bluegill are both new ones. Bluegill, uh, yeah, is it just like a really, really big one? Well, what it is is we had like a general sunfish category, and they split that into three groups, and then we had okay. a general crappy, and they split that into two. So that's how they made the the five. They also added fall fish and saw guy, but I got the fall fish, and I'm still after the saw guy. So they 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 didn't necessarily add five new species they just kind of split up some of our more general categories so bluegills one that i haven't gotten yet and um saw guy and sauger which sauger is probably the single hardest one because there's in the history of the program at least but dating back to 2006 as far back as the records go i think there's been two or three maybe citations caught in the state of virginia so it's you know you're talking yeah. literal decades and three have been caught and turned in. So they, they come out of uh, Lake Norris in, I believe, Tennessee, and they're kind of on a migratory run into Virginia. So they're not really here all the time. So yeah. you have a very finite window to find them and they're kind of hard to find. There's not that many. And that's part of the state where like, if you get those rains in the springtime when they're supposed to be spawning, like the river's blown out and it's game over. So it's, it's a couple different factors with that species that makes it tough. So how do you turn them in? Like, what are you turning in? A length measurement? Of, like, what is, I just, I don't know. Every time I think competitions, it fishing competitions especially, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it, I know it can become a dark I don't want this to turn into a dark conversation. Yeah, but I, I, uh, my yeah, mind yeah. always goes there because right. you know, yeah, you, you got the walleye guys that stuck the weights in the fish, mm-hmm. and you start to think like, who who is verifying what? Like, yeah, what? anytime you deal with an honor code situation, like not everybody's honorable, so <laughs> it's kind of a inherent problem. Like, but uh, it used to be an honor code thing. Like you you could either send in the fish on a measuring tape. Like it's pretty cut and dry how big the fish was. Yeah. Or you could send a photo uh, of your fish on a scale, or you could take it into like a a shop with certified scales 
Um, or you could just have a witness signature. And that's kind of like the gray area with all this stuff. Like, you know, back in the day, like I could go and catch one. And then if I had a buddy yeah. that would lie for me, then, okay, yeah, I got it. And, you know, I think there's some of that that is, has happened within the program, but I'm, you know, I'm just kind of leave that where it lies. But nowadays, everything has to be photo verified. So if you go and catch something, whether you're putting it on uh, a tape and you're getting that photo or you're putting on a pers- certified personal scale or a certified scale in like an establishment, all of that stuff has to be f- like photo verified. So there's a lot of that um, like cheating that's kind of been nullified in the new modern yeah. age because now you're instead of mailing in stuff like we were doing like you'd mail in a physical photo now everything's you know you're uploading the file and you're sending it into the database and then somebody reviews it and you get the link back to like your certificate thing so yeah i mean i guess part of me thinks about that but then the other part of me thinks like i mean if if you're doing it to be the first or if you're doing it to compete against other people maybe it'd be more annoying but like yeah. you mentioned earlier it's also an opportunity to kind of compete against yourself so ultimately yeah i guess as long as your focus is focus is staying on your path yeah staying on yours maybe what other people are doing you know that's on them that's that's their own integrity issues so yeah may not even be worth worrying about no i wrestle with it for sure because like I mean, you know how expensive expensive fishing is. We talked for an hour before this about how much money we're spending lately running and yeah. gunning and doing <laughs> all that. I mean, it's expensive, dude. And like, you know, if you're gonna, like, for instance, I've spent. It's gonna sound dumb to anybody that lives where there are brown trout, but I've spent thousands of dollars, thousands and thousands of dollars trying to catch a twenty-five inch or five-pound brown trout, right? And I've caught three fish up to, or maybe even four at this point, I can't quite remember, but three or four up to four and a half pounds and like multiple fish that are 23 and some, ch- like I, I could have taken like the, in the, in the hero shot that I have of all these fish, they look giant. So I could have easily yeah. lied about any of this, but you know, if I do that, once your integrity goes like, there's no point in doing any of this. Yeah. So yeah. You know, I've always stayed the course, but then you look, you look across the aisle and you see these guys turning stuff in. And then like, <laughs> there's even a little bit of fishiness to it. You're like, dude, like, okay. So it gets frustrating because you, you, it's frustrating when you're doing things by the book and you try to be straight up. And then there's some dude that's just like mailing it in and doesn't care. And, and, you know, they might get a little bit more shine, but at the end of the day, I can go to sleep at night knowing that I've done everything on the up and up. And ultimately it's all that matters, dude. Like you're, we're not winning money for this. Like there's no grand prize at the end. You're just doing it to do it. And, and that's why I I've, it's always been a personal challenge for me. And you know, that's pretty much what it comes down to. So I guess the other place my mind goes, because I know that like, and I want to get into more kind of the mentality of being goal oriented or focused Mm -hmm. on specific objectives. I I feel like you've always been pretty good about that. Like you're, you're, you're a pretty aggressive guy when it comes to, you know, I don't know. You've, you've just always been a more driven guy, but I'm speaking out of familiarity here, but and I also think, okay, so what happens to Josh? If let's say you go on this just absolute tear Mm -hmm. and you complete the journey mm-hmm. and it's over and it's done where like do, do you get worried that you're gonna like i don't know 
Well, you have issues with not having that outlet anymore. Oh, or no. You already know what's next. It's never done. It's never done. Just, you just move the goalpost a little bit. So like, okay, you know, I've even, I've prematurely started doing this just because of happenstance and the events that have happened in the last year, but like, okay, cool. You cl- completed the master angler program. All right. Well, there's 30 state records that you could go get now. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right. Well, let me go do that. And I, I got completely random and lucky and caught the state record and world record fall fish here in Virginia. But that was like, not I, that was on this long list of state records that I wanted to chase, but I wasn't like going to go do that that day, but that's what happened. And now it's like, all right, I prematurely started walking down this path where now I want to try to get state records. I want my name in the record, like the actual record book a couple of times. And I don't know, man, it's, I don't, I don't really know why, like I need to do it, but it's just kind of like a legacy thing. Like what are, Mm-hmm. I want to like leave behind something. And if my name's in the book a couple of times and it stays in there a year or it stays in there a couple of decades, cool. Like there's my name, but I don't know if it's like a, it's not an ego thing. Cause I'm not typically an egotistical person. So I don't know if it's just some, like a vanity thing. I don't know why I just, you know, if Derek Jeter were to tell you, Hey, like I'm playing to win the world series. Like you don't go, Oh, well, you're just an egotistical asshole. It's like, nah, man, you can be a good person and still want to like su- succeed and win. Yeah. So it's that, that's kind of like my world in a nutshell. It's the difference between like playing catch and trying to win the world series. Yeah. Like you can go fishing and have fun and do that, or you could ramp it up and just try to succeed. And, you know, these guys that are like, oh, I don't, I don't fish for records. I just go out. That's good but I do. And, and I, you know, I, I do, and I want to do it just because it's like, I want to leave something behind. And I I don't, you know, I don't, I, I I try not to act like I'm better than anybody else because I don't think I am. I, I, I like everybody for who they are and whatever. I don't think I'm a better angler than anyone else, but I am trying to at least be the best at what that I, at what I do. You know what I mean? So that's kind of, where i come from so yeah there's there's never going to be an end to it it's always going to be i just yeah. the goalpost moves a little bit and you're trying to do a little bit more so i don't know yeah if if somebody gets to a point where they feel like they've reached the end i don't know i just i feel bad for people you, you see these people in fishing yeah. you see people that kind of like i don't know man it's like they they create these like they artificially bottleneck their experience in the outdoors like mm-hmm. like willingly and on purpose yeah. Yeah, and, like whether that be depriving themselves of like I'm I'm strictly freshwater, I'm mm-hmm. strictly a fly fisherman, I'm strictly whatever the case may be. Yeah, um, you know I don't know if you, if you put enough if you put enough constraints on yourself and enough little walls, there probably is opportunity to reach the top. Yeah, you know what I mean because like yeah. you put so many parameters on your fishing, but sad to see it. But again, to each their own. Yeah. But um, but you, so I know that. Every now and then, like off the record, you mm-hmm. know, I'll get these messages from you. Like I'm enjoying mm-hmm. a day at the beach, you know, down here in sunny Southwest Florida. And, mm-hmm. and you're kind of like, I don't know what's happening. I'm assuming you had a bad day at work painting. Yeah. And you just start shitting all over Virginia. <laughs> yeah, dude, I don't know. But I, but I know the reality of where that state lies in your heart. Like I, I've heard you talk about, I know you take a great deal of pride mm-hmm. in your home waters because there's a lot of historical relevance. Yeah. Um, I, and it's a phenomenal fishery. Um, yeah. but at the same time where you and I 
are similar is I, I think both of us kind of have that call to adventure with yeah. the risk of sounding corny here. Yeah. But um, you feel compelled to go, I don't know, go, go where you're going to be out of your element. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like get out of your home and go somewhere where you're a stranger. So at some point you develop this, I don't know. It's like your, your uh, identity of have yeah. rods will travel. Mm-hmm. Just, um, I don't know, man. Like, and I know you kind of mentioned this too. You get out of high school and it's just like every man kind of probably gets to that point where they want to just go off and do their own thing. And yeah, and you now you have traveled outside the confines of your city and you've traveled within the boundaries of your state, but you're also getting to this point where you're leaving the state and you're yeah. traveling out of the state. When did that begin? And, and what, I don't know, what fish drew you out of Virginia first? Like what was the first one that really kind of drew you out Okay, and had you start becoming this caveman fish right. guy that you could come? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll walk that back just a little bit and that'll give us a j- jumping off point. So Virginia is a great state and it has infinite amount of angling opportunities. I mean, I live in Richmond, so I'm two hours from the beach with world-class red drum, world-class cobia, world-class sheep's head, all that. I'm two hours from the mountains with world-class muskie, smallmouth fishing, and then central Virginia, big bass, catfish, and then trout up in the mountains. So there's so, you know, it's, I didn't grow up in somewhere like Iowa where there's only a handful of species or like say Great Britain, where there's probably even less. You have carp and, you know, just a couple of things. I think Virginia for the angler that like, is like me and is is uh, a glutton and wants it all and wants it all now and wants everything I can get my hands on. Like, you know, that's how I've always been. I want as much as I want to put my hands in as much different like things as I can species wise and all that. Virginia has that for the angler that wants to be the best. You, you can become I, obviously this is biased, but I think Virginia can can and does make some of the most well-rounded anglers probably mm-hmm. anywhere in the country because we're we have such a mild climate you know I, I can take my redfish experience here and go to florida i can take my musky experience here go to wisconsin you know it, it there's just so much to do and so much to chase yeah but um so i think it, it, it somebody that lives here and tries really hard and like puts the work in to become a good angler in virginia i think it makes it easier once you go to somewhere like say south florida and every there's fish in every body of water or yeah. like you know it, it, so i'm very fortunate that I, I was born here and i grew up here and i learned to fish here and all that and and i have my roots here I, i'm a 13th generation virginian like we traced it all the way back to jamestown super cool i have that blood in me and that need to be here. And I probably will never move no matter how much I love Florida or Texas or Idaho. Like this is, it's just, my roots are here. So Mm -hmm. moving beyond that, what got me out of Virginia is uh, right about the time I was learning about all this master angler stuff and all that and, and chasing species and all the river monster show came out. And I love how everybody (laughs) loves the shit on Jeremy Wade for some reason. But I, (laughs) if he's done anything good at all in that show and his, his, his production of that uh, product, it was getting me interested in mega fish and sparking interest. That's all you need to do to set that in a lot of people. I think he set a lot of people into motion. Oh yeah. 
planted that seed of curiosity. Well, you know, well, damn, is. what's in my local waters that's killing people? Like, <laughs> well, you know, well, you know, I mean, everybody loves to give him crap, and you know how it is that yeah. anglers out there. It's like a, it's like the hip thing. It's like hating on Nickelback. You know, it's like, oh, Jeremy Wade sucks. It's like, yeah. okay. Well, that's, that's a you know. subconscious effort to elevate themselves. I mean, that's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I but know, it, I know where that's coming from too. Yeah, you know, Jeremy Wade's not going to have a, a nationally broadcast show on Animal Planet if he talks about the gear he uses all the time, and you know, he's got to pretend people get eaten by Wells catfish, or else the general public doesn't care. So, with that being said. River Monsters, I think, came out in like 07, 08. So I'm like sophomore, junior in high school. I graduate in 2010. So it's like right at the height of that. So, you know, I'm seeing the Alligator Gar episode. I'm seeing the Wells Catfish. I'm seeing the White Sturgeon. So as early as 2012, I started planning this Alligator Gar trip, which, you know, I I, I was trying to plan it with others and it just wasn't coming together. So the round, by the time, 2014 rolled around like became apparent if i was gonna go i was gonna go solo so mm-hmm. i packed up a 1995 ford ranger with everything i would need i, I took two kayaks with me uh, a fish fighting kayak and then like a mule kayak for all of my stuff for the week and i drove the what 2100 miles or whatever it is from richmond to to east texas in that single cat or that little extended cab ford ranger four banger like drove it all the way down there this truck probably had 250,000 miles on it at the time <laughs> got it down there like got got out on the river and like experienced my first like uh, I don't, I don't even know how to really describe it, but it was my first experience outside of Virginia. And, and it's just, it like triggered something deep in my brain of like, I have to keep doing this. I like, I immediately got down and just wanted to move there. And it's like the most yeah. obscure <laughs> place of part in Texas ever. It's just ranch land and like one little river that rolls through. And there's like nothing desirable for any other human being, but if you're a, an angler chasing giant fish, like the Trinity is the Mecca when it comes to like, you know, big fish in America. So I got down there and um, proceeded to float down the Trinity and, and fish for a couple of days and ended up uh, wrapping that trip up with uh, a couple of big fish, big at the time for me. And then like one uh, fish that was, I believe a little over six foot, like maybe uh, it's hard to remember now. I want to say it was like maybe six, three or something like that. Six foot, three inches, but caught it out of a kayak, like did all this stuff out of the kayak experienced like my first like test as a man. And as like a, a human being of like, can I do this on my own? Like, what am mm-hmm. I, it was basically my, my, what am I made of moment? Like, am I cut out for this type of stuff? So it was just, it was that, trip and it'll be 10 years next year that I I took it. So it's been quite a while now, but it's very much like my jumping off point for everything travel and, and experience wise since that point. So So this is like the part of the conversation that I tried to warn you about where it's like things stop getting so matter of fact and cut and dry because this is, this is where things get fascinating for me. (laughs) Right, right, right. Because, Everything that you were describing prior to that, I think, was very relatable. 
Yeah. It's not out of the realm of possibility that a lot of people would operate in the same mindset as mm -hmm. you in Virginia, getting involved with the master angle program, you know, doing this and that. But the way that you sort of just glossed over it, but described getting in your car and driving, that is a long distance. Yeah. So it's like you just went from a guy <laughs> that loves his local waters to just taking this massive gamble yeah. with minimalist gear, I'm guessing. Yeah. Small, humble gear. No experience traveling. A, a good, fair chance of failure. Yeah. And doing it anyway. So there's some degrees of separation here that I want to attempt to address because it's like, yeah, where do you think in lies the difference in and what led you or compelled you to go do that to say some other guy that's been fishing their whole life and just never leaves home? Yeah, well, it, it's actually much worse than what I just described. I drove 21 hours straight like no sleep 21 hours and then got there and immediately launched like like there was no <laughs> i almost died of heat stroke that first day like yeah. it's by far the closest i've ever died, come to heat stroke i got there and like due to how i had I, I was supposed to go with another person and it didn't work out so i had to set up a a, a person there to like ferry my gear and stuff so i uh the guy that like drove up from Corpus Christi, which is like a couple hour drive to where I was like, he only had a very small window to like help me. Mm -hmm. And he was another kayak angler or, or kayak paddler. Or I think he was more of a touring kayak guy, but regardless, he helped me get me and my gear to the water. And then he left. So literally I got to Texas and I was running behind. So I got to Texas, loaded all my stuff in his vehicle. They drove me to the top of the float and dropped me off. And that was it. Like, I arrived in Texas and was launched and I had not slept since my bed like two days prior. So that first day I legitimately almost died of heat stroke. It was the weirdest, most <laughs> surreal. Like I'm stoked to be there and I'm seeing all of this for the first time. And it's like, it's, it's just stoking me up so much. But then I realize I'm dehydrated from like 15, five hour energies and like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't know, but well, I can get more into that later. But, um, I don't know, man. I, I think if I were born in like the 16 or 1700s, I would be that dude that got on a ship and like went off into the blue yonder trying to find something else. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> you know, the guy that got on the Oregon Trail looking for a different well, I mean, life. You have like, the Viking look, so I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, be true. <laughs> it's just hiding my double chin. <laughs> but uh, but no, man, it's just um, I don't know. I just have that in me and I don't know where it came from. Cause like, you know, my parents aren't necessarily like that. And really nobody else in my family is necessarily like that. Um, they all have their own character, character traits that are like positive and unique, but like, as far as the going and exploring and like looking for different, you know, looking for a different life or like different experiences, like I'm kind of the only one that really has it to that degree anyway. So I don't know where it comes from. It's just something that's been in me. And I, I've always had that like yearn to just get in my vehicle and drive away and <laughs> like figure yeah. out, you know, like when I bitch to you on, on text and phone calls sometimes, like how much things are sucking here. Like I fight that urge to just put everything in my car and go start a new life somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, so I don't know. I don't know where that comes from, but I definitely, yeah, I had, I had it to some degree then. And by doing that and being success successful and like, 
it's definitely made it at 10 mm. times worse. So I don't know. Yeah. I really I, can't I give guess you a if straight you'd have shown up there. there and had an absolutely god awful catastrophic experience, maybe you'd have. Yeah. Maybe you'd have gone into being more of a a Homer recluse type guy. That's a good point, though. There's no absolute answer to something like that. Like I told you, it's like I just want to yeah. get into the mind of an angler a little bit. But yeah. I think you're right. I I think there is a genetic code behind a, a lot of what human beings do. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just uh, I don't know. I've, I've mentioned this time and time again to other people. It's just it's no different than than kids that will go out and they're very interested in building something mm-hmm. like there's just, it's in them. They want to go out and build a fort or they want to build blocks or they want their builders. Yeah. They want to work with their hands or there's kids who, uh, I don't know that they, they, they really like cleaning all the time. Everything has to be very organized and structured yeah. and neat. Or, you know, some of these people are destined if, if led correctly through life to be a successful engineer Mm-hmm. A successful electrician, a successful, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. So I don't know for whatever reason that 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 voice calls stronger to some than others, I guess. But well, I I I said I'm a 13th generation. Well, that first generation guy was a ship captain that came over to Jamestown. So I like to think that somewhere, like his whatever made that guy become a ship captain and sail across the ocean. Somehow through those generations, that DNA is still in there somewhere. And I just I'm exploiting it. So yeah, <laughs> when it's late at night and I start thinking about those things, I like to pay homage to to that guy. And and maybe somewhere I'm doing him justice by, you know, yeah, doing oh, no. this weird a hundred percent. And then the other side of that, I think of uh, you know, it's it's a little bit I wouldn't call it reckless. It's it's spontaneous, but yeah. like and I know this is a few years separated from when you made that first initial trip, but like, can you recall, like, what was your plan? Was there a plan other yeah, than no, show up was, in the water and figure it out? And no, no, there was for sure a plan. It's just the plan got altered many, many times from when it started to when I went. So, um, 2014, I'm, let's see, 20, I think I'm 24 years old at this time, maybe 22. So I'm still, I'm early twenties. I haven't went anywhere yet. I haven't really, I, you know, I, I've done stuff within the state, but I haven't went on any crazy road trips. So, so there definitely was a plan. Um, the original plan was uh, not supposed to be me going to Texas solo. I was supposed to have somebody going with me that never really materialized, but uh, I, I had planned this for two years to, go to the top of this 50 mile stretch of water and you know, East Texas, it doesn't have a lot of like river access. So I had gotten on, uh, uh, like Google maps and, and checked a bunch of stuff out and actually Google earth's how I got in contact with the guy that helped me kind of transport my gear. He like went down the whole river taking photos. Like they, they did a, um, like a source to see with the Trinity river and took photos the whole way. And I just, this was back when you could still randomly shoot people emails and they might get back to you. Yeah. So I shot this guy an email. I was like, Hey, I'm going on this trip. Like, you know, could you think you could help me? And they'd be, they were kind enough to, to lend a hand and help me kind of get my gear to the top of the float. But, um, you know, I had done all of the research I possibly could because it was a massive undertaking for me at the time. I didn't know 
necessarily what I was getting into, but uh, I did the best I could kind of research wise, as far as like getting the gear that I might need and kind of playing out all of the bad things that could happen to me on this trip. So I reached out to, you know, the guides down there. I tried multiple people to to like try to get somebody to team up and nobody really wanted, like there was a couple kayak anglers down there. I reached out to those guys are kind of full of hot air and like, weren't really down to do it. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do it myself. So yeah, (laughs) I, um, I went with, uh, a fish fighting kayak and a, like a mule kayak. So I carried all my gear in one kayak. And the idea was to stake that kayak out when I got to an area that like I wanted to fish. And then I had, you know, just like a fish fighting kayak. So I didn't have, I wasn't like over encumbered in one boat, you know, with a bunch of stuff in it, but, um, I took a bunch of water purification stuff. So I had like a a filtration Sawyer's like filtration system. And then I had backup like iodine tablets or whatever they are hindsight like now that i know what flows down the trinity and like where it's coming from the fact that i just kind of raw dogged water down river from <laughs> dallas is just crazy to me but it worked it, everything worked fine so yeah <laughs> i was drinking like river temperature filtrated down river from Dallas, Trinity river water. So it was super good. I, I put, I had like electrolyte powder and Gatorade powder and stuff. I put it in there to kind of like help it. But like, that's what was keeping me alive. Like that, I, I didn't have like a cooler with ice and like a bunch yeah. of drinks. Like I had a milk jug and a Sprite bottle. And that's how I knew which one was, which when I was taking dirty water and making it clean. So <laughs> I had that, um, I had an, like enough, I had MREs. I think I had the, the military meal ready to eat kits. I had some that I got off of a guy from like a kayak fishing meet. He was like getting rid of them. So by the time I got to him in 2014, they were like eight years old or something like, so I had, I think <laughs> two per day of those that I, I got in there. And like, when you eat those two per day for like that many days, you don't poop for like, three weeks so i had no problems there <laughs> so i, I wasn't even <laughs> yeah. hungry by the time i was over with i was so backed up <laughs> but no dude it was just it was it was i would never do that now like what i did then yeah <laughs> the fact that i was young enough and naive enough to like not really care what bad things might happen like i wouldn't i don't know if i'd do that same trip now because i kind of know what to expect but it was supposed to be a week long. 50 mile float where I just go until I saw fish and then I try to catch my bait there. And then I'd start fishing, which the only difference between me now and me then is me then I couldn't catch bait. And like, I felt, I, I think I had been lied to. Like I talked to this one dude that wrote a book and he's like, Oh yeah, man, baits everywhere. No problem. Yeah. Like you'll be able to catch it. So I had these like Ziploc bags of like oatmeal, which is like the only way I knew how to catch carp at the time. Yeah. Got down there. I could not buy a bait fish to save my life. Now I think like with what I know now, like what you and I experienced last time we were down there, I think if I had like a can of corn and a little bit of time, I could catch some Buffalo and carp, but then I didn't, I was in over my head. So I, I floated three days i think without any bait 
seeing giant fish everywhere. I couldn't do anything <laughs> about it. I didn't bring so any loot. No lures of sightseeing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> it was cool. Like, you know, I was floating down the river, seeing the wild hogs, seeing these giant alligator gar rolling, uh, beavers. And then I got caught in like a gnarly thunderstorm. I think it was my second day out there. And like, I swear to God, that's the worst lightning storm I've ever been in to this yeah. day. And like, it was so bad. I got in my one man, like Eureka tent and like closed the flap and put like a towel over my face and just sat there because I knew I was going to get hit by lightning. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to like, I don't know. I just, it was just so, it, it was like being in an artillery barrage. It was like hitting every tree around me and somehow it didn't hit me. So my first two days were, almost dying of heat stroke to the point where like I laid down in the mud to like cool myself off. And then that's yeah. where I like slept for that night. And then the next day was the lightning. And then the third day of like not having bait, I, I, a friend of mine was friends with Bubba Bedre, who's a guy down there. And like, they kind of like, I was like talking to one person. This person was talking to Bubba and Bubba was like coming back to me. And like, it got lined up where Bubba was going to help me out with some bait, which is like the biggest thing I needed. Well, what ended up happening is I spent a third night on the river and that it was just to this day. It's one of the most surreal like experiences I've ever had, but I got camped out on like this bluff overlooking the river. I'm like, there's giant gar rolling everywhere. I have no bait. So I'm just chilling, basically hanging out. And I don't have very good service. And I know the next morning Bubba's coming to to meet me. So I, I lay down in my like one man tent and I had this little like AM FM radio with like batteries in it. And like, mm. I'm just listening to the radio. And that night they came on and announced that Robin Williams had passed. And it was like this weird moment in time, like kind of like, <laughs> where were you on like September 11th? Obviously the, gravity of the situation is a little different but yeah <laughs> i'm like laying on a riverbank just learning robin williams died and it was like this like moment in time that's like burned into my memory like the smells and the, just the sounds and like where i was and like the extreme like feeling of loneliness that i had for like the first time in my life and it this is like after almost dying in like a thunderstorm the day before. So it's it just all of these like emotions that get sparked. And it was just so crazy. And just this weird moment in time that I have that will like forever be etched in my memory. Next day, Bubba brings this giant like mega cab Dodge to the edge of this like 60 foot or I don't know, probably more like 30 foot like embankment on the river and like lowers down his, his like winch and like winches X and me like up off the water. And we go back to his house and uh, he has me get in his swimming pool because I smell so bad, <laughs> which totally understandable. So, yeah. so I like get in his pool and like wash the stink off me. And he like gives me some frozen bait and I go back to where my truck was parked and I launched from that point, And that's where I ended up catching all my fish is actually like within a mile of my truck. So yeah. it was just this weird, like test of like what I was made of and like what I was willing to deal with. And just the, the, all the emotions that kind of go with that was just, it's something I cherish that trip to this day. I don't know if I would do it again, but it was definitely like my launch pad for like everything else I've done since then. So like, 
you can prepare. That's kind of the beauty of this whole fishing thing. Like you can prepare and prepare and prepare at nauseum, spend countless hours, days, months, and even years doing untold amounts of research and mm -hmm. data logging and, and, and gear prep work and all this stuff and lay out the most like soundproof or foolproof game plan. But it's mother mm -hmm. nature that you're dealing with and curveballs will come. So, yeah. you know, it's like you always wonder, like, if is it a balancing act between like preparation and planning and the ability to adapt? Because I feel like anybody, yeah. like preparation and planning is like a learned thing. You know what I mean? It's like it's an intelligence mm -hmm. deal. Yeah, and I'm just curious and what you think, but like the ability to adapt, I don't think can be. It, of course, you can be like hardened a little bit. You know what I mean? Like through life experience, mm -hmm. but it's like I, I I feel like that's one of those intangibles that can't be learned. You know what I mean? It's like a lot of these yeah. trips, and I've talked about it on another episodes, but a lot I've and I think you're the same way. Some of the best fish I've ever caught came after I hit that proverbial fork in the road. Like there's opportunities yeah. present themselves to, to, to call it, to cut the, yeah. you know, or to, to navigate a, off to a different route. Um, and that's where there's like a <laughs> level of fortitude that comes through, but I'm kind of just curious what you think it takes. I don't know, man, to like, to, to, to build that. Can it be built? Like, can that be developed? Yeah. I know like myself personally, like I would wager to say, and I've, I, this is not my own like original thought. I just heard this and I'm, I'm applying it to myself. 90% of your fishing is done before you ever get to the water. So that's, you know, what you're going to do, your game plan, all, all the research. And, and I think like, if we're talking about me versus other people, I think that's what may set me in like the sec success that I've been able to have with certain things. I think that's what sets me apart. So like when somebody sees all the stuff I'm doing, they're like uh, you're doing, you're catching fish all the time, you know, all the stuff that, you know, people like to rib you about. It comes because of the sheer volume of like brain space and like mental time that you put into gearing up for a trip. I think that's, that's like where I set myself apart from other people, like from the starting line. Like I've, I've already worked through what I'm going to do, all the scenarios, everything I've done as much research as I possibly could before I ever get to the water. As far as like mental toughness and, and like ability to adapt. Like I think there's some of that you inherently have, you know, if you're, if you're soft, you're soft. You know what I mean? Like there's some guys that won't even get off the starting block because they know it's going to be hard. Mm -hmm. And and we know those guys and we've talked about those guys sometimes, but like they're out there. Like there's some guys that won't even throw their hat in the ring because they know like, this is not going to be fun. I don't want to do this. And I think like between my dad and like what he instilled in me and like, that my football coaches and like those guys like the the men in my life taught me to be a winner and to to grit it out and to be tough like they definitely plant that seed but then when it like is applied to fishing you know the longer you do it the more like data points you have and the more you realize like okay it's going bad now 
but it's probably not going to continue to go bad. So like, yeah, you just have to have that ability to stick it out and you have to have that like stick to from date from like square one. And then like the more angling experience you get, you realize, okay, like I can alter what's going to happen or, or, or like my mental frame of mind and like how I feel about this is going to affect the fishing. Like I fish with guys, like you hit the first spot and like the first spot doesn't work. And like, it's out the window for the rest mm-hmm. of the day. They're having a bad time. And it's like, dude, put on some music, put on like Wu-Tang Clan, NWA, get the, get the rap going <laughs> and like, just roll, just ride it out. Cause it's not, you know, if it's going to be a bad day of fishing, it's going to be a bad day, but it doesn't mean your attitude and you, the way you approach it has to be bad. You can, you can change the way things go. And yeah. like you, you and I have had that experience. We've been out there where the truck breaks. And it's like, all right, well, we're either going to fix this and keep fishing or we're just going to pack it in and it costs too much to just pack it in. So might as well just ride it out. And, you know, I think you lose people every step of the way. There's the guys that won't start just because of how hard it is. And there's the guys you lose at the first sign of, of, you know, trouble. And the deeper you get into it, the less and less people there are left. And I think, like the fishing trips you and I have had, I think that's why we've had success is because we kept grinding on it and kept going. And like, eventually like they, the fish can't hide forever and things aren't going to go bad forever. You just have to wait out the storm basically. So, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the funny thing is a lot. You know, I think a lot of people give place a lot of values on like, it's, it's considered a good thing to have options. Like you hear that. It's like, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's options. We, we have options. Options are a good thing. Yeah. Fishing can be one of those things where options is like a bad thing. Yeah. It's like if the option is like there's no other option than to keep going forward. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's just weird. Like when it's weird, yeah. like when you you hit that moment where it's like we have we, we can go this yeah. way or we can go that way or we can go back yeah. where we came from. Yeah. Uh, but that like will to push through the crap. I mean, I don't know, dude. I think it's it's funny how you mentioned that when you have different data points. You have a, enough of those moments where that, that catch of a lifetime is on the other side of that. The yeah. next time you hit that wall, you immediately remember, okay, yeah, I've been here before. But um, I think like, I think you, you just kind of get like a sixth sense to some of that stuff. Like you're just, you've mm-hmm. been in it for like hundreds, if not thousands of hours of like on the water time, behind the wheel time, uh, behind a rod in real time. Like you just have that experience where, you know, some people aren't lucky enough to fish that much or don't care enough to fish that much, but the ones that have that amount of time, like you can start to feel when things are changing or you can start to feel when like, I'm wasting my time here. I, I, I can't tell you how many times like I grant and I'll be fishing. And I'm like, we need to move like th- this isn't working. Like what we're doing isn't working. It's not going to work. We need to switch it up. And you know, you just have that. And it, it becomes almost like a sixth sense where you like, you stop for a second and you go, what am I doing? Like, this isn't, yeah. isn't working. <laughs> this isn't going to work. Like we need to do something different. And I think our trip with Austin Anderson uh, last year, I think it was last year, right? 2022. Uh, I don't remember if it was early last year or yeah, maybe it was. I, I don't think remember. it was early last year, but like <laughs> that was a prime example. We fished for three days without much. And Austin goes, well, if we don't get anything by eight 30, I got another spot. And like, if we would have jumped on that and like 
not been willing to ride it out, we would have missed that. It, like it probably would have been an okay trip, but the second that we decided to stay a little bit longer, like you caught a, a big one. I caught a big one. He caught a 63 pounder. Like you, you never know how close you are to success and just yeah. maybe hanging on just a little bit longer might get you there. So yeah, I think a, it's just it's a second is, nature. That is funny. The, the like double-edged sword that that has though, just on, on the psyche. Yeah. Cause I know there's been times where I probably should have altered course. Yeah. Because you don't want to like stubbornly, you know, force a, square peg through a round hole, like that whole thing. Like you yeah. have to be adaptable enough to like find alternate routes or be able to alter course or be savvy enough to have a plan A, B, and C and not just say, no, mm-hmm. we're sticking to this and we're never giving up. It's weird. Like, but to your point, I think you're right. It's like, you have to have sound instincts on when to yeah. push through and when to get creative enough to know when to cut your losses or try a different route. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, it's always an interesting I think, one. Yeah. I think, just the more experience you get, the sharper that sword gets. So, you know, yeah. like when to cut and run, when to stay, like, you know, it's, it's just something that comes with experience. Yeah. But as long as you have that, that, that core nucleus of like the ability to grit it out, if you need to grit it out, I think it'll be good. Some guys don't have that. Some anglers do, you know, I think that lends to it when you need to grit it out, you can't. Yeah. So, well, you're so your alligator yeah. gar road trip. I know that's when I first saw you. It was around then when you had that video that had gone viral. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first time I ever saw you on the internet where you were battling the alligator gar and it jumped and it did all that. And clearly, it had kind of a profound impact on I don't know your becoming uh the angler that you are. And then you've had similar other trips where whether it be out for white sturgeon further out west or down here in florida with me and uh the panhandle of florida some of the other treks that you've had that that are all like very much variety to the kind of fishing that you have but a common theme with you i always wonder how much of it is by choice and how much of it is because i don't know financial limitations but you seem to do these big trips yeah like the most minimalistic approach. you're sleeping out of your car you're taking sponge yeah. baths in the bushes behind a building like yeah <laughs> and i'm like yeah. some of me wonders yeah, like this guy this. could very easily be getting a hotel like like i how yeah. much of yeah. like the crap that you put yourself through is by choice and how much of it is because i don't know like you're like i don't know it's i, I gotta wonder if it's like you enjoy putting yourself through some of the stuff I've watched you put yourself through. Like, <laughs> yeah, it it all comes down to how, what is going to give me the most amount of time on the water? What, what am I going to get the most amount of experience out of? If I have to divvy a couple hundred bucks for a hotel for a week, Okay, that means maybe I can't stay there that extra day or that extra two days, or maybe I have to get back on the road sooner to come home. It's all financially based. But then it gets to a point where it's like, okay, well, if I go down to Florida and I get a hotel room, all right, well, that bed feels really good. And so does AC. And I'm not going to want to get up first thing in the morning and get after it. I'm going to want to hang around and eat the continental breakfast and watch some TV and you know, it's just, it's just part of it, dude. Anybody listening to this right now can go catch an alligator or if you have $750, but you're going to get one day for seven hours and that's it. 
and that is your experience in Texas is getting off an airplane at Dallas Fort Worth, driving down to the middle of the boat, fishing for eight hours, and then get back on the plane, fly home. Like that's great for a lot of people, and those guides are awesome, and that is perfect for many, many people out there. But I want to see what Texas is like. I want to drive on the roads. I want to be I want to live like I live there for a week. I want to experience Texas or experience Idaho or experience Florida, drive around, see the sights, catch fish, you know. So it all comes down to like catching the fish and having the photo for Instagram and social media is like cool. But I want to see Texas or see Idaho, experience these places. I want to live like a Texan or an Idaho or South Florida for that week. I want to, I want to experience the place and, and, you know, seeing the photo on social media is cool and everything, but like everything that goes into behind the scenes of that photo is really what it's all about. So, you know, that's just, it all comes down to being able to fish longer. You know, I don't, I, 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 I'm, I'm fortunate because I work for myself so I can set my schedule how I need to, but I'm still not making a million dollars. So I'm still working on a budget. And if, you know, not spending money on dumb crap, like hotels and and all this other stuff or, or, you know, paying guides or whatever, like that allows me to fish more. So it's basically what it comes down to. And I, I adapted to living like a dirt bag on the road. So sleeping in a car and not showering and whatever, that's just part of it at this point. So, yeah, that goes for a lot of different kinds of travel. Like, and this is like where sometimes me and like, like my wife might have a, a difference of opinion because I think of people who will go on like trips to, to Aruba mm-hmm. or to some fancy, some amazing mountains, like some incredible place. Mm-hmm. But part of the experience, this is most people. Part of the experience is the lodging and accommodations. I'm like, well, now wait a minute. That's just where you're going to be sleeping and eating yeah. and pooping. That doesn't yeah. matter, especially where you're laying your right. head to, and you close your eyes. You're sleeping and like blinking through yeah. 10 hours of that experience. Like your experience isn't the comforts. It is for no. some people. For me, I just, I never valued that i'm like i want to be in and out if this is where you lay your head you wake up you drop a deuce eat and go like why that's not part of the experience a great a great example which has really nothing to do with fishing but harley and i we had our 10-year anniversary in 2021 and um we drove to key west we fished with you for a couple days but then we drove to key west and we're like the whole time we're like where are we gonna stay? We're like leading up, we're like looking at places. No, we can do this, we can do that. And we're like, ah, I don't know, I don't know how long we're gonna be there. We'll just figure it out when we get there. Well, we got there, yeah. and like the cheapest thing we could find was like seven hundred dollars a night. And like, mm, yeah, it's like okay, well, are we gonna spend seven hundred dollars <laughs> and stay here one night, or are we gonna just? sleep in the back of the truck and get to stay here for a couple of days. And that's what we did Our on our <laughs> anniversary dinner. We slept in the back, like in my truck camper with like, I have it kind of set up. I have it better now, but at the time it was like, I had a vent fan. So like some <laughs> airflow was getting in there and I had like a mattress pad. Like it was comfortable enough for me, but like we slept there and then like, a hundred yards away, we went and ate like a two hundred dollar a person meal 
at this like lobster house and then oh, like nice. went back and slept in our car. You got the so, best of both worlds then. Yeah. So it's <laughs> like, you know, we, it's just, what are you willing to, and luckily she's willing to do that type of thing, but it's like, you know, we went and ate this crazy meal and it's like, all right, now we're just going back to sleep in our car. So it's just like, but it, we get more days there. Like, you know, Key West is a long way from Virginia. So luckily yeah. we were able to spend a couple manage- days didn't have how to spend you managed to find a like how you managed to find a female willing to endure that kind of thing is one of God's great mysteries. Because I think there's a lot of yeah. men, like a lot of men, don't want to go like try to keep yeah. pace with you. So that's that's funny. And I guess that kind of brings me to another thing, like another thought or bullet point that I have here is the style of fishing or like the mentality. I don't know the just the. Mm the grind that you that you do is i think naturally gonna alienate you yeah like there's just you're not gonna find fishing partner you're gonna have to get good at doing things on your own now and this is always a fun topic because i don't listen to a lot of podcasts ironically but i listen to enough and you know you you listen to people who proclaim like it it seems Mm -hmm. to be a very common theme a lot listening to anglers that are that that you know you get out there you grind you got to be willing to do do the extra mile and i feel like there's no shortage of people that know how to preach the right message Mm -hmm. and i have experienced these people firsthand i've I've gone fishing with guys that i from what i saw on instagram i'm like okay this this dude's yeah this dude's about it like this guy this guy's you know he's on it and then reality was very like, oh wow, this is this is yeah, this is not what I what I thought. But uh, I mean, the, the style of fishing you're doing is going to cause you to be something of a recluse, yeah, <laughs> and a solo guy. Is that really a problem to you? I mean, what, I mean, how are you navigating that? Because some of these trips, you need a partner. Like yeah. at some point, you've you have graduated up from the big fish of Virginia to tackling fish that can get a hundred mm-hmm. pounds. 200 pounds 400 pounds there's yeah. there comes a point where you're gonna need people like I the mean, only ha- the only time i really really need someone is for the five seconds it takes to take a photo like like <laughs> i just need please like because i cannot get the photo on the tripod thing down i always screw it up <laughs> especially at night but i don't know man like I'm like this perfect, like my mentality and like how I am as a person is like for what I do is like this perfect soup of like ingredients just for my upbringing. So yeah, in like my family, there were four grandkids and then five years difference than me and then five years difference and then everybody else. So growing up, I was either alone or hanging out with somebody way younger than me, which I didn't really do, or hanging out with people that are way older than me. And I, I tend to gravitate towards my dad and my uncles and my, mm-hmm. you know, the older, but like when you're in those formative years, like I know you had your brothers and stuff like that, but like I'm the oldest in my family. And then like all of my other cousins were like in a different state. So I was alone like a lot and like a lot, it wasn't like because people left me alone. It was just like, I am getting itchy and I need to get away from everybody because yeah. it's either <laughs> old people or like kids. So I spent a lot, like my, my family is mostly from West Virginia. So I spent a lot of time like on a four wheeler with a fishing rod 
checking out like you know the farm ponds on the property or like uh the rivers around the area or just like being in the mountains and like it's just always i think because in those formative years i was like that that it's just continued into life so like you know i harley my my girlfriend like every time i go on a trip solo she like worries about me i have to remind her that i am perfectly fine like i i like being alone like if if a nuke hit the planet and i was the last one here i'd be okay like i (laughs) i can operate i'm not one of those people that like needs social company and honestly Mm -hmm. when it comes to fishing it's really like kind of bad for my bottom line as far as like being successful because when i'm solo like i treat that super serious and like i'm i'm grinding and i'm i'm on it and then like when i'm fishing with somebody like you know you or like grant or like somebody's like it's more like hanging out with my friends so i don't take it as serious and i'm like goofing off and shit like i so you know those people see the success i've had and they're like how dude you're not like how you you don't take it serious but it's it's two different things. It's just mm, all together. It's like, like yeah. I said, it's like pl- playing catch with your buddies versus like bottom of the ninth in the world series. Like I, I take my solo stuff way more serious because there's no distraction talking about anything. It's just me and the fish. And like, that's it. So as far as like, like my mentality on that front, like I'm perfectly fine fishing alone. And like, you know, it's probably a good thing. Cause where I'm at with my stuff now, like there's not really a lot of people that are are at that same level that want to do the type of stuff that I'm doing. That's why like some of my best friends live on the other side of the country. Yeah. You're in Florida. Steve's in Idaho. Like uh, David's in, or um, Brian's in Texas. Like these guys that I, I've developed relationships with are thousands of miles from me. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, those bonds you build over fishing. So I don't know. That's just, kind of where i'm at with that type of thing i guess yeah i can relate to that i think very similar in that regard i i love being alone i don't know why it's that i don't know i get i get wigged out when i'm up in the company of too many people and i don't mind there's a few there's some types of fishing that i do where i'm like i wish i had a partner but the sole purpose of it Mm -hmm. is so i could run a second line yeah uh, because a few of some some quarry when it's big enough you can't afford for more than one line to go off or you're mm-hmm. in trouble, but I totally get that. But, um, well, it's like that you... and you don't have to like explain every single thing you're doing. Yeah. You just do it. So it's like, okay, I made this decision. I'm going to do it. If you're fishing with somebody that may, and it's no, nobody's fault, but maybe they don't have the same amount of experience. Then you have to spend the next five, 10, 15 minutes explaining that of why, which it is not good if you're trying to like be a good steward of fishing. You need to explain things to people. But if you're goal oriented and you're trying to accomplish something, like that's that's the way that like you have to be able to make a decision and act and do it and not have to like explain why something's happening. So yeah. that's just why like solo fishing, I'm much more efficient when I'm doing that type of thing. But yeah. anyway. Well, you've you've I know you've kind of expanded on valuing variety and wanting to catch different fish but i think you're like i don't know that you're the atmosphere of what you care about with fishing is starting to close a little bit and it's like you don't like an enormous like what i've observed anyway because you could very easily just go around catching thousands of fish that only get this big Mm -hmm. but you seem like you favor 
big fish, big species mm-hmm. or species that are like capable of getting big. And you've tackled a lot of impressive fish. Obviously, you've done the alligator gar. You've got numerous species over 40, 50 pounds plus from what I've seen, flathead catfish, blue catfish, buffalo carp, alligator yep. gar, white sturgeon. You got any on the horizon right now or like within the confines of the United States that are like, ah, I got to yeah. go after that one. Like, is there a timeline in place for any of these fish? I mean, the the tarpon, which we were talking about this before we started recording, but that's like the monkey on my back. I, I don't I'm not close to them usually so only usually have a couple shots a year and whether or not i take the opportunity to do that is up in there so i started fishing for them in 2016 i hooked my first half a dozen or so like big ones in 2016 and i i haven't been tied into like a big one since and it's been like off and on like whether or not i was going to chase it and it's that's just a monkey i have to get off my back i have to do it so that is my main like if we're talking mega fish species that's the thing that's like up there i gotta go do this and get this out of the way so i can focus on other stuff but um right now like that's probably the big one outside of virginia um and then like within the state like i'm just trying to get my name in the books a couple more times for some of these species so like i'm after the long nose gar state record um you know i i want to get that uh I came very close to the Roanoke bass state record this year. I was only four ounces off so that there I have, I mean, it's kind of comical. Cause like, if you look at my list of like, like my to-do list and like my hit list of species, it's half of the species that are even eligible. So like I have 15 different things I want to try to go after for a state record, but I'm trying to knock off like the easier ones first and then, you know, continue. Yeah. But it's just, all that is is an evolution of the master angler stuff that we started talking about. Like, you know, you have your size requirements, go find that fish. And it's the same thing with state record. You have the size requirements, go find that fish. And, you know, I, I talk to people about this all the time. Like you tell people that you're going to go try to catch state record. And like, it seems like this giant undertaking and like such a, a crazy thing to proclaim, but like those fish are out there. Yeah, we see them show up all the time, and if you make it too big of a thing, then you're never going to accomplish it. But if you break it down to like certain spots and like certain times a year, and so if you if you minimize your amount of variables, like those fish are out there, you just got to go do it. You have to stop making it such a big, like unobtainable goal. So, yeah. you know, that's that's just my that's kind of where I'm at with my sort of thing right now i'm just trying to chase some of these records and see if i can't be fortunate enough to find the ones i'm looking for well one thing in your fishing that we haven't even addressed yet i don't know how i haven't why i haven't brought it up yet is so you set in motion a lot of i don't know big ambitions and the kind of fishing that you do objectives i guess is the better word but you also do a really good job of documenting it. We haven't talked at all about the videography, the photography, especially the video side of things. Because you're like a really, really like, I, I think there's a lot of people who even know you or are somewhat familiar with you that's eager to see you get back into the scene. Because your 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 skills at putting together, yeah. like I don't know, like a visual representation of what you're doing and 
capturing the moment. I know you don't like to be distracted necessarily by having another angler around, but you definitely seem willing at most times to be distracted by the process of creatively capturing the fish, yeah. which is hard to do. Yeah. But like, tell me a little bit about, I don't know even how to bring it up, but like what it, your vision is when you start these trips, because your, your videos aren't like most people's. I guess it kind of speaks to the river monsters thing. You don't do like the, the vloggy stuff. You're very into, I don't know, like what is your vision when you're putting yeah. these videos together? I don't know, man. Like I, the YouTube thing, I, I'll never be able to keep up with like the vlog style of, of like recording and putting out like daily or weekly videos like that. It's just not conducive to, to how I am as a person, like my creativity They're They're, they're just, if you're sitting at home editing, you're not fishing. And I, Fishing is like the thing that's first and foremost um, in my life and my free time. So I like I've I've like many people, I've started and stopped and started and stopped with like the the video editing and even the podcasting stuff. Like it's just the fishing is the reason to do all of it. But ultimately, the fishing gets in the way of that stuff. So mm -hmm. like with the stuff that you and I have filmed, it's easier to do because it's like, okay, we're going to go to Idaho and we're going to film and like, we're going to make this a production and like, that's the plan. So it's, it's easier to go out there and like get all these crazy shots and do all these things. One, because there's more people around, but two, there's, there's a story to be told, you know? And like, you know, regardless of what happens, you know, we're going to Texas, we're going to the Trinity River, some crazy stuff's going to happen. There's going to be a story at the end of this, regardless. Okay, well, if it's a random weekend in July, you don't really know what the story is going to be. You're going to go out, you're going to go snakehead or gar fishing. You know, that it's just hard to feel that same creativity. And, and I think that's why, like, going to another, a new place, like, a lot of the times you're seeing this for the first time. and and like oh that looks amazing let me film that and then that's the exact same thing that that person that's watching it is seeing and maybe feeling so yeah it's harder when it's like the same old gig you're going out snakehead fishing we're going to do the same thing like that's easier to make that style of video where you're like filming and, and putting up something but like the 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 creativity like the things i like doing put it like making these bigger productions like it's easier to do because that's the plan that's why we're going there and then anything you see that looks cool you film and and it ends up being a really good product so that's why i think you and i have had a lot of success with filming and, and video because that's kind of why like we're going to these places we're going yep. and doing the things we're doing so i'm never going to be that dude that's what's up guy like i'm not that guy like i'm not the yeah the youtube sensation i'm never gonna be that guy i'm not the social media like dude that's gonna hype up every little fish he catches and all that stuff it's I, it, at some point like the goal oriented trying to catch big fish gets in the way of all that stuff i mean i have like hard drives upon hard drives of fishing trips that have just never amounted to any fishing video. So, you know, it's just the way I am. I don't know. I, I, I get ambitious with certain projects and stuff, but ultimately like at the end of the day, catching the fish and chasing the, that stuff, that's what matters most to me. And 
you, you might start off with the game plan of like, I'm going to film a YouTube video today. And by like hour or two, that's out the window and we're yeah. grinding <laughs> and we're trying to catch these fish. So, so yeah. what happens like every time. Well, there's, but, I'll, as you know, there's, I think there's an audience for everything. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm the same way. I, I can't, I just physically can't do those types of videos. Um, but I've always enjoyed the ones that you do because it's so much more of capturing like it, like everything else that like all encompassing. I think you, you kept mentioning the word like the story and having a story like that. I, when I watch a video, I don't know. I'm used to watching like cable television. Like I think that's just the era that you grow yeah. up in. Like I'm used to there being a plot, a story, a level of drama. Mm -hmm. I'm used to something, not just. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, the opening scene is the ending scene as well. It's like you're already halfway through as soon as you hit yeah. start. And I just but to each their own. I mean, everybody's got their thing. But um, so just um, well, like, go ahead, because I don't want to I don't want to gloss over anything. Well, I, well, it's a good comparison to that is like you're and I our Texas trip like was terrible like we got our ass kicked every step of the way yeah. <laughs> but it made for a great story we we were successful in the end everything came together good i went out to idaho immediately after that on the same road trip and like we killed it we caught eight fish over seven feet with four of them being over eight feet. everything yeah. <laughs> we did worked but it's like okay well what's the story here I showed up to Idaho and like we just killed it and everything. Like day one, we caught an eight footer. Like that's yeah. not. There's no story there. So it's almost harder when everything goes right to make a, a story right. worth watching. So you know, I don't know. It's just funny how that works out. Like you want that. You want that perfect in between of like getting your ass kicked, but then being successful. Because if it's all bad, nobody wants to watch it. If it's all good. There's nothing, there's no story yeah. arc. It's just, I got there, everything went well, movie's over. But like, I don't know. Yeah, you, you only want to watch so many fail rigs and you only want to watch so many highlight reels. Yeah. So it's good to have a little bit of both in each. But but um, just kind of moving forward, um, you know, I know that, again, just, you know, the theme with you is always kind of having a plan or objective, even if it's a loose one. But somebody like yep. you who seems pretty ambitious, I mean, it's you, you reach a certain summit. I mean, you've already caught the biggest freshwater fish on the continent. And I know we're kind of, you know, you're easing into the saltwater scene a little bit more. And that's a whole, that's a whole, mm -hmm. you know, that's a whole new world to open up. But um, what yep. would you say? I don't know, man. If you had a, maybe 10 years is too far out, but it, do you have an idea or a picture or a, a plan for where you would be in the next five years, whether that be like uh certain species you accomplish or certain mm -hmm. levels you reach and whatever. I mean, where, what, what are you hoping to do going forward? Maybe in the next five years, um, just on a grand scheme of things. Um, I mean, obviously I always want to fish more. I want to be in that world more and as much as I possibly can. So, I would say somewhere between like making fishing content for like Amazon, like, like what we're working on or, you know, any streaming platform or something like that in between doing that and filming and making watchable 
you know, episodes and in, in, in a show that's worth watching. Between that and like guiding for, say, Snakehead here in Virginia or something like that, I just want to be on the water more. I want that to encompass my life. And you hear those guys talk all the time, like, don't make what you love your work because then you'll hate it. There's no yeah. shot, dude. I've I've been through the ringer with all of this. Like it's I've been as bad as it can be in the fishing world. And it's still better than the best day I've ever had painting. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, I, I want, I want my life to completely be enveloped with this. So I have, I'm, I'm working on a few things like getting my captain's license and, and we're still cooking up this program to hopefully get put on Amazon. And, you know, I have bigger trips I want to take. I was hoping to go, to the Amazon with you, which by the time this comes out, you're probably back already, I would say. So hopefully you lived. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming you did if this got published. So, but uh, no, nah, so I, I don't know. Get, I, I'd like to get to the Amazon at some point. Uh, obviously, didn't make it this time, but that's still kind of in the cards. And then yeah. like the Wells Cat overseas, like those are the bigger kind of fish species I'm after. But um, I don't know, man. Like I just, I'm, Moving into my 30s, I'm 31 right now. I've been on this course for the last 13 or 14 years. Um, it's just I'm trying to find that opening for me to like completely dive in. And you know, I'm I'm the stereotypical type of person that like I have a job that like makes me money to where I'm comfortable. I'm not I'm not suffering. So it's hard for me to give up what I'm doing because it makes me money and I have a good life right now. Yeah. So it's hard. To, I th I think in some situations, like it's harder to take that step when you already have something that's working. If life yeah. sucked right now and I was living out of my car, it'd be a whole lot easier to like jump and 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 do something crazy. But I like I have an established life and like I'm good at what I do. Like I'm good I make money that way. Like I'm established. I have good connections like professionally with like the work that I do. And I think that's ultimately like it's helped me by working with myself. It's helped me do these fishing trips I want to do. But like it's always held me back from like jumping off the cliff and like really doing it. So yeah. I just I'm trying to navigate that and like how I finally cut the ties and like sever the umbilical cord from like the life that I have and like really live the life I want to live. So, yeah. And, you know, hopefully like catching the record fish and like doing this, like the more accolades you can stack behind your name and like the more like. I don't I don't want to say prestige, but like the more weight that your name can carry in the fishing world, hopefully will help facilitate that and make it easier once that step comes, you know. Yeah. So that's just kind of where I'm at with that type of thing, I think. No, it's it's yeah, you you said a lot of things that uh that are I don't know, profound to me. It is it's it, it is so true though. Like sometimes the most effective traps are the most comfortable ones. So it's like when you have it too yeah. good, why why get out of it? Um, yeah. so yeah but but then on the other side of that boy i know we've had this topic i know we've talked about this on other times but it's just like it is so interesting when the people who have i don't know maybe experienced where you want to be or towed that edge or been through there mm -hmm. project 
like their own misery upon your circumstance. Yeah. Like, oh, you, if you do this, it's it's hell here. And it's like, listen, like, yeah. it's, that's why there's a lot of value in coming through some hard stuff. So it's like, you cannot tell yeah. me that whatever you have done is worse than a day drilling for oil, worse than a day of yeah. pouring asphalt, worse than a day of yeah. whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, it's just, I don't know. It's so, well, it's, it's disappointing you when know, you see people who intentionally yeah. speak negativity over whatever your ambitions are. Yeah. And it's, it's weird because like, technically those are professional they're industry professionals you're listening to that are it's, saying those things to gatekeeping you. is what it is it's, yeah it's well it's like you know i i on my own time i've done all this work to to be as good of a fisherman as i can possibly be like i've put that work into and then i have someone who has the job that i want to have and i look at that person and i know that they haven't put in the same amount of life experience that I have, but they have the job. They tell me, Oh, you can't make enough money doing this or this job sucks or X, Y, Z. <laughs> it's like, it's how it's hard to live with the reality when you look that person in the eyes and they're saying those things to you. When you know that if you were put in their position, you take it and run with it. Like I, I know that I, and more capable of the person that's saying these things to me. So it's like, I can't take you serious. Like you aren't very good. You're not making the money that you need to make. If I were in that situation, like I could make it happen. So it's, it's tough, man. It's just a tough thing. And I think a lot of people live with, with that. I mean, there's probably countless millions out there that are working. I mean, nobody like, you know, Nobody is five years old and goes, I want to be a house painter when I grow up, or I want to work in a factory when I grow up. You know, it's just, I still have that in me where like, you know, when I was five, I wanted to beat Babers home run record. And when I'm 30, I want to be a professional fishing guide like that. I still have those big dreams and aspirations (laughs) in me. So when you have those guys that try to knock it down, like you look at it, you're like, yeah, I mean, Okay, but I'm going to do it and I'm going to yeah. be successful at it because I'm stubborn enough to see it through. So, you know, that's the tough it thing is. is you're you're trying to get your voice to be louder than God only knows how many people yeah. out there want to do the same thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you're you're the competition field is simply too deep. I mean, there's no shortage of people across the country and the world mm-hmm. that would love to live out that dream. So it's like yeah. you have to have proof of concept and you have to dim it like there's got to be a demonstrated level of i don't know commitment and i think i i think you've done a pretty good job with that so with that said you know people who are listening to this that want to see some of the things we've talked about whether it be the video (laughs) the images of the fish some of the site building that you've done anything projects where can they go to find all of your social accounts, essentially, because that's your proof of concept. That is your demonstrated yeah. track record of what you've yeah. done, what you're doing. Uh, it's Instagram. Uh, it would be Havrods underscore Will Travel. I believe TikTok's the same thing. Uh, YouTube, Havrods Will Travel. Um, we got some of our promo videos up on YouTube of the stuff that David and I have done. 
uh, as far as like the travel and the fishing, there are a few of the episode promos are on there. And then just like my daily fishing stuff is on Instagram. So just check that out. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, I, I like to document every part of it because it's hard when like, if you go and catch a trophy fish, like all your postings, trophy fish, it's like, people don't understand what went into it. Like, how do you keep doing it? Like, dude, there's a lot of fishing that sucks. Like you get your ass kicked regularly, Yeah. but you know, a lot of people don't see that, you know, it helps to, to kind of show and talk about the bad stuff that's happened. And, 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 uh, yeah, man, that's just kind of, that's kind of like where if you broke me down, like to the core, it's just riding that edge of like extreme success and extreme failure. Like it's, I'm just, you're constantly like wagering whether or not you need to roll the dice on one thing or the other and whether or not and this 7,000 mile road trip is going to work. And I'm going to, is this going to be successful? And we're going to come away with two crazy videos and catch a bunch or am I going to waste thousands of dollars and be back to like no money bank account and to start all over? Like yeah. you broke it down. Like that's just, you know, the stubbornness to, to, to see it through, I guess. But, um, I, I do before we get up, cause I, I kind of get the vibe that you're trying to wrap this up. So <laughs> I, I have one story that I ha I have in mind that I wanted to tell and, Please in, do. <laughs> uh, in accordance with the grinding, the grind. I had this one specific like story from Grant and I's fishing adventures over the last couple of years. And, you know, I always try to prepare for like the bad stuff to happen with tools. And like, I, you go in with the mentality of like, nobody's coming to rescue you. How are you going to get out of the situation? So yeah. <laughs> luck, luckily it's not always the case. Sometimes you have buddies in Texas that will drive two hours to get you out of a situation. But most of the time, I try to go into the mentality of like, okay, if everything goes bad, how are we getting out of this? So Grant Alvis and I were walleye fishing. I believe this is two or three years ago now. And uh, there's this one little road up on the edge of the new river that is just, it should not be open. Like it is a four wheeler path at best, but people drive down this road to get to this one particular hot spot for walleye. And I'd done it once before, like a couple years earlier. And I vowed I'd never go back. It's, it's a road that's literally hugging a cliff. And like, you <laughs> have to do like a 47 point turn at the end to like be able to turn around. You're literally turning around in a, in a Creek bed to get pointed back to head out. It's either that or back out a mile and a half. And that's sketchy. I'm talking like just wide enough for a vehicle. And it's a 50 foot drop on one side and a rock wall on the other. Well, oh, yeah. I guess I forgot how terrifying that was. So Grant and I decided, all right, we're going to drive up this road. We're going to get out. And it's all like everything. It goes back to, uh, there's big fish up there. What are you doing? Go catch, like go find the fish. So we drive up this road looking for double digit walleye and we get almost to the end and it's like hugging the cliff. We're getting to the end of it. And right where we need to turn around, there is a large tree i mean as big around as i am so pretty big tree yeah. in the road <laughs> like oh no like you're either backing out all the way or we have to move this tree and backing out all the way was not an option because it was hard enough getting in yeah <laughs> we sat there for i don't know 
15, 20 minutes, like brainstorming, trying to push it, try like I have no cutting utensils or anything. Finally, I remembered I had a snatch strap in my truck. So we ended up like wrapping it around this pine tree, wrapping it to the front of my truck and just like jerking it and slamming it in reverse and like pulling the thing <laughs> out of the way and like creating a pulley, like angular Z drag, like pulley system to like pull the tree out of the way. And, Ended up rescuing ourselves, but you know, we got down the creek bed, turned around, and didn't catch any walleye. And Grant almost broke his tailbone walking down through there. But that's just a perfect <laughs> example of like the shit you can get into and the willingness to like MacGyver your way out of it. And yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I was hoping that situation would be prompted in this conversation, but I'll, I'll tell you anyway. It, it was just, it was a nuts situation and like that's the type of stuff that kind of just happens on the regular the more you put yourself into situations the more something bad is going to happen it's just yeah. how you react to well it, you I'll, and i'll i'll cap that off with one very short mention of of cliff driving but i mean even uh our most recent trip there in idaho i've been telling people how <laughs> i yeah. mean we, we we attempted to navigate a pretty absurd road yeah. in that little bitty car so i think your instincts to get us to stop could yeah. have very well been a lifesaver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, that's good. I don't know, man. I, I think you've been kind of, <laughs> your instincts have been sort of forged in the fire, I guess, over time. Yeah. But, but dude, um, I appreciate getting you on here. I knew you were going to be a, a, a fun one to have on. And, and again, people who want to see giant fish, awesome travel, just entertaining stuff. I mean, I'll throw all this stuff up on there, but it's it's pretty much half sure. rods will travel for basically everything. Instagram, YouTube, uh, haverodswilltravel.com, all of those things. But I encourage anybody to go check it out. Some awesome fishing content already there and, and really good stuff that I've had the privilege of being kind of in uh, behind the scenes watching. I know what's coming and it, it's only even more awesome stuff. So Josh, appreciate appreciate you coming on here and, and expanding on your experiences and just your mentality and all those things. Uh, and obviously, we'll be in touch, and we'll probably be fishing here before too long. Yeah, hopefully the uh, the tribes people didn't abduct you in South America. So if this is coming out, I'm hoping you're still alive, and uh, I look forward to fishing with you. I appreciate you having right. me on. All right, man. Have a good one. See you, man. Thank you for listening to Boundless Pursuit. Tune in each week as we bring stories and insight from uniquely talented anglers and outdoorsmen. And if you enjoyed this show, I want to hear from you. Be sure to leave a five-star review as this is going to drive the growth and exposure of this show. And if you have feedback or guest suggestions, I would love to hear from you. And you can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com. For all other collections of media and contact information, please visit www.boundless-pursuit.com.